right, so we're looking here at Christ's parable of one pearl of great price. I do want to go ahead and read it uh, there in verse 45 through 46. We'll talk about some things and get into this lesson. It says again, Jesus giving these parables. Now remember, uh, going all the way back, uh, let's see, to, to really verse uh, uh, 3 with the parable of the sower, and he gives several parables all the way through here. I believe they were, were spoken fairly close together, spoken very, very close together. We know the first four were spoken to the multitudes, and then Christ would take his disciples to the house and give these other ones. Uh, but I still believe that they uh, are connected and need to go together. Um, and uh, we uh, began uh, looking at that. I want to go ahead and read them again. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man, notice that merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had uh, and bought it. Now, I mentioned those first four parables, the parable we looked at, the sower, the parable of the wheat and tares, the parable of the grain of mustard seed, uh, the parable of the leaven that was hid in the meal. And we learned that those have to do, and they all had some specific teachings from them, but we, ha we all learned that they had to do with what the devil is doing in the church age. In other words, not everything uh, that has the name Christ is of Christ. And, and uh, there's a lot of false things that are going on and those types of things. Uh, and as I mentioned a while ago, the Bible reveals that these were told not only to the disciples, but also to the multitudes uh, as well. But after that, Jesus takes the disciples alone into a house, and I don't believe that there was uh, a, a real long period of time in between these two instances, but he takes the disciples alone into a house, and he gives them first the parable of the hidden treasure, and that's the one we looked at last week. And I want to go ahead and read it, because uh, understanding it will kind of help us understand this one as well. And in verse 44, uh, he said again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. Uh, that, I'm sorry, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. And so this parable, uh, the first four, talking about what the devil's doing uh, in Christendom today, uh, but now Jesus uh, kind of changes the, the focus there a little bit, and the parable last week we looked at, the, the, the treasure hid in the field, and this one today is really teaching us about what God is doing uh, uh, in the church age. In other words, what his work is. Um, uh, and we learned last week that that hidden treasure is Israel itself. In other words, the Jew, if you will. And so we learned how when Jesus came as a man, uh, he found Israel already scattered. Uh, in other words, hid in the field, uh, the world. And we know that this is talking about the world because in him explaining the uh, parable of the wheat and the tares in verse 38, because later they would ask him, although it had been a little while when he'd given that parable, they asked him about the wheat uh, and the tares, and he explains that the field is the world. And then he continues on with these, uh, with these parables. So we know here that, that uh, he's talking about the world, uh, and uh, uh, we've learned that uh, he's talking about Israel there being scattered, that is, hidden in the world. That's how he found them. Um, and uh, uh, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 11, that Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. And uh, so although he came to the Jew first, if you read uh, the works of Christ, often he, he went to the Jew first, uh, but they rejected uh, Christ. They did not accept him as 
uh, their king. More than that, they did not con uh, accept him as uh, their savior. So he found them that way. And if you look at the parable there, he found them that way. Again, uh, it says again, the kingdom of heaven, verse 44, a treasure hid in the field, which when a man hath found, now notice, he hideth. And so he found it. He, he, in other words, he left them scattered because they rejected him. Uh, and, uh, uh, but we see there that he bought the field, he bought the world, and certainly that points to the cross and, and Jesus dying not only for the sins of Jews but for Gentiles, and that will bring us into the next lesson. So Israel was hidden, sought out and found by Christ. Certainly we see that uh, in his public ministry, uh, hidden again, in other words, left scattered, uh, and then Jesus uh, would buy the world uh, uh, from the cross of Calvary. Now, we need to understand something. God's not finished with the Jew. And we've talked about how uh, that's going to be seen during the tribulation period. We won't get into all that today. We, we've talked a little bit about that already. Uh, but we understand that the Jew is chosen to, was chosen, that is, uh, to represent God to the world, but they tragically failed. They will have no king but Caesar, uh, literally, <laughs> is what they told uh, uh, concerning Christ. And so really the way to look at Israel is they're right now they're shelved, you know, put off to the side uh, for a period of time. Uh, and we believe that during the tribulation period they will uh, accept Christ and, and uh, preach and, and represent God to the world as he wanted them to do. But in the meantime, though, while they're shelved, God's plan still continues. In other words, you know, God hasn't really pushed a pause button, okay? Uh, and we see there on our outline there underneath the introduction, the parable of the treasure, treasure hid in the field, which we just read, uh, teaches that Christ has Israel shelved in the world for a period of time, but God's plan to reveal himself to the world still continues. And that takes us to the meaning of this sixth parable, uh, mystery parable that is, uh, talking about the, the uh, uh, parable of uh, one pearl of great price. And uh, so, but before we do that, I know that was quite a bit, and last week I, I went through a lot of things, and I, I, I felt like I went a little too fast, but I just want to make sure, does anybody have any questions concerning, you know, what we've talked about thus far, okay, any questions? So I just want to make sure we're understanding this the right way, that's important to me, okay? All right, so number one, uh, the meaning of Christ's parable of the one pearl of great Price. Let's read it again uh, to re-familiarize ourselves. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found uh, one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had uh, and bought it. Now, one of the problems, I think, too, and, and we've mentioned this before about uh, teaching out of parables and trying to define what they say is sometimes we try to pull out some information from every little detail about the parable and and you know we can kind of get bogged down in in some things that i believe are very trivial and so we're just going to keep this real basic and i believe that's how god meant it to be uh as 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 well uh but so we're going to look at really two things here the merchant man and uh the pearl of great price the one pearl of great price and you can follow along there on your notes uh, the merchant man is Christ. And again, if we compare Matthew 13, 44 and 13, 46, uh, again, familiar wordage, uh, the last part of verse 44, particularly for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. And we also see in verse 46, similar, it says, went and sold all that he had uh, and bought it. So verse 46, 
again, I believe, uh, particularly last part of that verse, uh, uh, just as verse 44 concerning uh, uh, Christ, I believe, is, is we're talking about Jesus Christ. And, of course, that would be the picture. Anytime we talk about Christ buying something, we always, our minds should immediately go to the cross of Calvary and, and Jesus dying for the sin uh, of the world. And certainly Jesus paid the sin debt for everyone. That would include the Jew and the Gentile. Now, don't get some things mixed up here. In other words, the Jew can be saved not by following Judaism and keeping the law, uh, but by being saved just how a Gentile is saved, through faith uh, in Jesus Christ. And so that's what I mean by the Jew being saved, is that they too have to be saved through faith uh, in the grace of God. So just keep that in, in mind. I'm, I'll try not to keep repeating that, but I may just to make sure you understand some things. Because sometimes people think the Jew is saved a different way than, than, than the Gentile, and that's certainly not true, and that's not what we're teaching here. And uh, so verse 44 and 46 most definitely point to Christ, again, more specifically dying uh, on the cross at Calvary, and that ought to be something that uh, should be very important to us. And so we see there letter b god's plan uh for the church age and so with the jew again has been set aside uh hid in the field but the field has been purchased the world has been purchased god now has a wonderful plan to show himself again to the world and this would be that pearl of great price uh found in verse 46 and that would be the church and let me just say the church slash the body of christ now um you guys understand how I feel about the local New Testament church. We don't believe in a universal, invisible church, uh, those types of things. But now we do know that there will one day be the body of Christ, but the body of Christ is not complete yet. You say, what do you mean? Well, not everybody that uh, is going to be saved is saved yet. <laughs> and so the body of Christ is still being built. But I'm going to use that phrase, the church uh, and the body of Christ, kind of interchangeably today. Uh, but I don't want to have to explain it every time I say it, okay? So we're not teaching against the local New Testament church, all right? And so uh, God's plan uh, for the church age uh, really uh, falls now onto born-again believers. I mean, that's really what every local New Testament church should be about, including Central Calvary Baptist Church, is we are God's representative to the world. Uh, concerning the things of God. And, of course, that takes us into why we're here. We're, to he we're here to share the gospel, to see lost people saved. That's our number one business, and everything else we do really should be built around that. Okay, uh, And, and we've, we've talked about that when we looked at some of our other lessons about real church and real Christianity. But Christ's plan for the church age really, sometimes we forget, was, was really revealed to his disciples, although they really didn't, didn't really understand it and uh, I know it's quite lengthy but I think it's important and I just put it on your notes for uh, uh, convenience and so Jesus uh, in John chapter 10 uh, beginning with verse 6 and uh, it's a great uh, an another uh, you know uh, teaching here uh, about uh, the sheep but we always have to remember that Jesus when he began this conversation because he had done some healing and the Pharisees were upset about it the Jews so he's speaking to the Jews in this okay but he says in verse 6 this parable spake Jesus unto them of the, the previous parable uh, but they understood not what things they uh, were which he spake unto them then said Jesus unto them verily verily I say unto you I am the door of the sheep uh, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. 
And, of course, he is, you know, preaching against what the legalism that, that, that uh, the Jews were teaching. Um, he says, all that ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Uh, in other words, people that are truly saved. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Uh, the thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And these are some wonderful passages and, and a lot of teaching. We could look at those, but, but we're trying to get to a specific place here. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. There's that buying of the field. There's that buying of the world. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep uh, the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. And again, we have that in, in the church age today, do we not? Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Verse 15, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. There again, there's the cross. There is the purchasing of the field, that is the world. In verse 16, we have part of it underlined. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. What's he talking about? Remember, he's talking to Jews. Okay, so he's making a distinction here. He says there's other sheep. He's talking to the Jews. He says there's other sheep, though, but they're not of this fold. Okay, very important to understand. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Okay. Now, of course, I believe you all are, are seeing this, that, that that other fold is the, the, the pearl of, of great price. That would be the body of Christ. That would be Gentiles, more specifically even. Uh, that is, all of those, which could include Jews as well, that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior uh, through faith. And so that's important. So verse 16, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Jesus is saying, I've got a, another nation, if you will, not particularly as like, like a, a, you know, the nation of the United States or, or something like that. But, but, but again, I have, another, I have a nation other than Israel, other sheep. And again, that's simply just talking about those that are saved through Christ, whether they be from England, the United States, or Africa, or Canada, or wherever. Uh, does, he's not talking about a specific nation in that way. But again, those that are saved through Christ, and, and again, that would, would, would include Jew, Gentile, or whoever. Uh, it's all those that call upon uh, the name of the Lord. Okay, um, But we see there, back up in verse 6 of John chapter 10, verse 6, uh, it says, But they understood not what things uh, they were which he spake unto them. So they were really having a hard time digesting all this and seeing this uh, the way that you and I have the honor and privilege to see it today. Uh, but we also see uh, Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13, there on your notes. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, uh, Elias, which is Elijah, and the other, Jeremiah, which is Jeremiah. And certainly Christ fulfilled all of those offices, you know, certainly uh, John the Baptist, uh, the forerunner, uh, Elijah doing the miracles, Jeremiah known as the weeping prophet, certainly Christ, you know, is seen in all of that. Or one of the prophets, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And notice uh, verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Go ahead and flip your page there. Verse 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee, 
but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, now notice, I will build my church. Y'all just go ahead and circle that word church, because that's very important. Uh, and also, and the gates of hell shall, now, shall not prevail uh, against it. Some very exciting verses. Also, when you consider John chapter 10, verse 6 through 16 that we just read. And so notice some things that Jesus said. Jesus said that, that he, in other words, he said that I will build my church. Again, the body. Uh, very, very important uh, to understand. He didn't say, I will build your church, but he said, I'm going to build my church. He didn't say, you will build my church, but I will build my church. <laughs> and certainly that's something that uh, is, is uh, something that I'm afraid uh, a lot of churches and well-meaning people are getting away from. Uh, that's another message. But, but uh, uh, the, the church, again, the, the body of Christ uh, that is represented here in these two passages that we've already looked, I want you to get to understand is that this is that pearl uh, of great price, uh, uh, again, the, the body uh, of Christ. So very important to understand. Um, and uh, uh, by the way, I just put it in the notes there, the devil will never overcome the pearl of great price. Amen? And we know that uh, from, from this passage. And so God's plan uh, works. Amen? Uh, we may fail, uh, but, but God's plan doesn't fail. Amen? Amen. Yes, Brother Bob? Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, I believe so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because you know he specifically talks about Peter, and he's not not talking about what some believe Peter like the first pope. That's not what that's talking about. He's just saying that faith that you have is what I'm going to build this church upon. It's through faith. Yes. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, so, so again, that's uh, 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 so important. So, so we, we get the, the basic meaning of that parable of one pearl of great price uh, when we tie these things together. And so uh, anybody else have any comments before we move on to number two or questions? Okay, number two, uh, the church brings Jew and Gentile together. Now, again, we're, we're, we believe in the local church, okay? And, uh, but uh, I have there in parentheses, by believing in Christ to save them from their sins. We're not talking about Judaism saving anybody, uh, but uh, just the same way uh, anybody can be saved. And so we see there letter A, uh, God through the Bible uh, deals with either the Jew, Gentile, or the church. So always remember to, always remember to keep that in mind as you're reading the Bible. Uh, now, it's for everyone, okay? So, you know, you know if, if, if the Bible is directing something toward the Gentile or toward the church, or toward the Jew, it doesn't mean that it's not for everyone, but to understand the context better, it's always good to understand what that passage, no matter where it is in the Bible, who it was being directed to. That really clears up a lot of things sometimes. And it's either going to be the Jew, Gentile, uh, or the church. And so uh, we've talked about uh, uh, the Gentile world powers over the years and uh, certainly the role that will play uh, in the end times. We've talked about all that. But God has and still uses Gentile nations and powers to do his bidding. It doesn't mean that they're of God, but certainly he can use whomever or whatever he wants to accomplish his will. God used the Jew. Uh, we know that one day he will use them again, particularly during the tribulation period, as far as representing um, uh, him to the world, in other words, accepting him as Messiah. But it was through the Jew the Messiah came, but it was also through the Jew that the law came. Uh, in other words, we know how God feels about things. 
you know, the law, we're not dismissing the law. I mean, if you want to know how God thinks or feels about something, the law certainly represents that. Uh, but uh, we don't ever want to tie that in with salvation. And so today, though, God uses the church. Uh, uh, that, uh, again, going back to what I've said already, the Bible teaches a church that is made up. You know, it, it's a Gentile church, but that doesn't mean that there aren't believing Jews. There's Jews that get saved. Now, they get saved out of Judaism, okay? But they get saved the same uh, way as you and I, okay? So God is no longer using the Jew, but he's using the church age, uh, the Gentile church, if you will. And uh, uh, that, uh, I think, is, is uh, pretty powerful as well. Notice uh, underneath number two there, we've got some passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 through 32. Uh, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now notice these three things underlined, which we've mentioned already. Give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. And so God makes a, a clear distinction there. Uh, probably should have read that first before we, we talked about the other, but hopefully you understand what we're saying there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14, for as the body is one, and he's making a comparison here, uh, Paul is, uh, as, in other words, the human body compared to the body of Christ, again, parentheses, the church, uh, as the body is one, hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. That's not talking about water baptism. Uh, but we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, but notice the Jews and Gentiles, and have been made all to drink into that one Spirit. That's in reference to the Holy Spirit being indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God, uh, immediately when one receives Christ as Savior. Uh, for the body is not one member, but many. And uh, so, uh, again, uh, one body, that is the body of Christ, but many members. And we've, we've taught uh, on that. Now, it's very important that, again, we don't get kind of sucked up into this universal church thing that a lot of people are. Um, God, right now, still does his work through the local body of believers, a local church. And there's many local New Testament churches, not just not just ours, um, uh, and so just always keep that in mind, okay? Uh, and, but we, we also say that Christ is the head of this church. Uh, I'm, I'm just a member like you guys. I'm an under-shepherd, I suppose, but I have my role uh, in this church just like everybody else should have a role in this church as well, and one's no more important than the other. Amen? Uh, and so, so, again, we always need to see that. But uh, again, we're looking uh, in a general way at the whole body uh, of Christ. And so letter B there, uh, one pearl of great price is all believers in the body of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 14 through 15, for he, that's Christ, is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now that's not, we might, our minds might automatically kind of go to the veil uh, between the, in the most holy place, but really what he's talking about here is the wall of partition between Jew and Gentile, you know, the law uh, and, and even grace, if you will. But the context there is really, I think, literally the wall of partition between the Jew and Gentile. And he says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances. So he's saying that basically we know that Christ fulfilled the law, okay? Um, uh, and anybody that tries to follow the law really condemns themselves because no one can follow the law 
in order to make heaven their home, for to make uh, in himself of twain one new man, uh, so making peace. And so again, he's explaining that partition was Judaism, um, uh, again, the law, uh, and certainly we know that Christ fulfilled the law in his uh, earthly ministry and life, uh, and uh, uh, so, so that, that's, he's broke that, that wall of partition down, and now we have the body of Christ. So now the body of Christ still being attitude, or attitude that is, um, is still being added to, why am I wanting to say attitude? Still wanting to be added to, uh, but to become his future bride, amen? But that, that hasn't take, taken place yet. So for now, God does his work. Again, I, I want to bring this up again through uh, local New Testament churches. So, so important uh, to understand. And so, letter C, uh, and we'll take time for some questions here in just a moment. Letter C, Christ purchased the pearl of great price uh, with his blood on the cross. And, and we've seen that uh, even uh, with uh, uh, the treasure hidden, that is Israel, the, 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 same, uh, the same way. Uh, that's how he did it. That's how he purchased uh, this pearl of great price. Again, through his blood on the cross. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Uh, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have God, and ye are not your own? And that's a great passage too. But notice verse 20, for you are bought with a price, amen? And that would be the most expensive substance known to man. That would be the blood of Jesus Christ. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, because you're saved, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, I say it all the time. But when we really understand what salvation is all about, that's the greatest motivator of service and faithfulness that you'll ever find, amen? Okay, so, so the uh, church, uh, again, brings the Jew and Gentile together. That is the body of Christ, okay? So before we get to how the church is like a pearl, because there's some interesting things there that we're going to look at, any questions, comments? Yes, Miss Barbara. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah, a Jew, a Jew comes from all the seed of Abraham. So anybody that has a blood lineage back to Abraham would be considered a Jew. There's probably Jews that don't know they're Jews, okay? So Jew is just that. It, it is all those that come from the seed of Abraham. And God made some covenants with that group of people, okay? So just generally speaking, take all the, the spiritual things out of it. Jews are a... a I don't want to say race, but they are a, a group, a nationality of people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe they're never... Sure, right. Uh, you know, again, I think he's making a general statement there, because remember... You know, the first century church, there was a lot of things Paul was dealing with we don't necessarily have to deal with today. In other words, there was still a lot of legalism. Even some truly saved Jews were still having a problem getting away from some of the things that were practiced in Judaism. And so Paul was just trying to make sure, you know, you know, because he even said you've got to give time people to grow. And I think that's what he's, you know, implying there is that we need to be careful as believers. We're not trying to offend the Jews. You know, we're not trying to 
you know, go after them, okay? Uh, and we don't want to offend Gentiles either as we're trying to win them. And we certainly don't want to offend, you know, fellow believers. And, uh, and so, so, but yeah, the Jew is a, a certain group, nationality of people. Um, and we're, uh, but a Jew can be saved, you know, just the same way as a Gentile was saved. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, they would be in the body of Christ, but not because they're a Jew, but because they've accepted Christ as their Savior. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. All right, great question, great question. Yes, Brother Bob. Mm -hmm. Yes, amen. Mm -hmm. Sure, right, right. Mm-hmm. All the nations will be blessed, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Amen. Right, right. Amen. Amen. And that's what, sure, and that's what, Sure, and that's what Jesus, not only Jesus, but even Paul would battle. I mean, he would always go back to Abraham before there was the law, <laughs> before there was the giving of the, before Moses, there was Abraham. And uh, Hebrew, I'm sorry, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11 makes it clear that it was by faith, amen, uh, that, uh, that uh, 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 faith that is in believing what God said. And so, so very good, very good. All right, anybody else? Okay, all right, so number three, how the church is like a pearl, and I just I kind of want to take a little time. This would be a great uh, outline for a message or something for someone, uh, but uh, how the church uh, is like a pearl, and uh, we'll jump right into this. Letter A, a pearl comes from a living organism, so we're kind of changing gears here a little bit, and uh, it's the only precious stone, from what I understand, that comes from a living creature. Uh, all other precious stones are mined from the ground or whatever. And of course, I think most of us know that it comes from an oyster. Um, uh, Miss Emma, when she came in, she's got her pearls on. I said, I'm going to be talking about pearls today. And, uh, but uh, we, we, we want to make some comparisons here. And again, as I said a while ago, we don't want to try to you know, nitpick at things and try to make every little thing try to, to, to fit here. But um, uh, Jesus certainly came a, as a living man, as we said there a while ago. Uh, he said, I will build uh, my church. And so a pearl uh, comes from a living organism. Letter B, a pearl is formed from lowly material. Usually, again, I'm just kind of going off of what I've read, but uh, uh, a tiny grain of sand that gets embedded into the oyster, and there's some other things that you know, could apply there, but, but I think the, the usual normal course for the forming of a pearl is from a tiny grain of sand uh, that gets embedded into the oyster. Um, and we think about that little grain of sand, uh, a very, I mean, not much more of a lowly material than that. I mean, one grain of sand, uh, I think, is uh, uh, pretty neat, uh, and it'll become a pearl of great price. Now, I'm not trying to say that Jesus is the grain of sand, but when I read that, my mind did go to the book of Zechariah, and I put it on there on your notes, uh, as I think about Christ uh, when he came the first time being lowly. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Uh, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, uh, the foal of an ass. And, of course, we know that scripture was literally fulfilled uh, 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 later on, uh, many centuries later. And so 
So again, we, we see some things there. A pearl is formed uh, from lowly material. Letter C, a, per, a pearl is produced by suffering and death. Now, once this uh, grain of sand uh, embeds itself uh, into the oyster, um, it really becomes an irritant to the oyster. In other words, it's, it's foreign. The oyster doesn't really want it there. And so the oyster begins to secrete a substance uh, that surrounds that grain of sand. Okay? And now we begin to see the, the forming of the pearl. That substance is literally the lifeblood of the oyster. And again, we think of Christ here. But it's the lifeblood of the oyster. Sometimes we hear that phrase, the mother of pearl. That's what that's talking about. And so at the end of the day here is what we're talking about is the oyster is dying to form the pearl. And again, that's a great picture of what Christ has done for us. Jesus gave himself uh, for the church. There under letter C, you can see that. Ephesians 5, verse 25, husbands love your wives. And here's the example even as Christ also loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. Verse 29 of Ephesians 5, For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, notice what it says, even as the Lord the church. And so we get a, a wonderful word picture there uh, from this, uh, making some comparisons how the church uh, is like a pearl. Letter D, uh, the pearl is formed over time. We could even say a long time. Uh, as I mentioned a while ago, God is still adding to the body. There's still people that need to be saved. Some have been saved, and their, their, they, their bodies have already died, uh, but they died in Christ. Uh, they will be uh, part of, you know, they'll be a part of that bride as well when the, uh, their bodies uh, uh, will come back together with their souls, that is, their glorified bodies. Some are saved and still alive today. If you're saved right now, that would be you. Uh, and there's still some yet to be saved, and aren't you glad? Amen. You know, aren't you glad God's, you know, there, there's times when I wish, you know, I was like, Lord, just, just come on back, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I got lost loved ones that need to be saved. And, and so I, I pray that they will, be, they will be saved. So just as a pearl is formed over a period of time, the body of Christ uh, also being formed over a period of time as well. And then uh, this is pretty sweet as well. Letter E, a pearl is beautiful. Um, someday all those in Christ will be like Christ. So we're not necessarily talking about physical beauty here but uh, in the spiritual sense in other words being pure uh, sinless even uh, now that won't happen until we get to heaven but it says in 1 John 3 2 beloved now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be we, we don't know <laughs> but we do know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and I believe that's a pointing towards uh, our glorified body someday that is if you're saved and the church will someday be without spot or wrinkle Ephesians 5 27 that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish uh, you know I shared this with uh, uh, up at the prison uh, Tuesday had a wonderful service we had over 40 in attendance was this God's really working in that ministry so we thank the Lord for that uh, but one of the things that we brought up was, you know, just being, you know, saved uh, from the penalty of sin. That's wonderful. We're in the process of being saved from the influence of sin. That's our sanctification. That's what we're doing now. Uh, but one day we'll be saved, you know, we'll be glorified. We'll be saved from the presence of sin altogether. And what I mean by that is, is it won't even be in our hearts or our minds anymore. Amen. I mean, now that's beautiful. That is beautiful. 
not to think the things that we think sometimes or react the way we do. Um, uh, so I'm looking forward uh, to that. And that takes us to our concluding thought here. It says, the more understanding we have of what Jesus Christ has done for his one pearl of great price, the more we are going to love and be faithful to him. You know, those that uh, can kind of just flippantly brush him off and brush his church off and just kind of, you know, live their own life without any thought of faithfulness. I'm not saying they're not saved, but they truly don't grasp what Jesus Christ has done, them, done for them. Or, or they just simply wouldn't do some of the things they do. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. And uh, so what a great lesson. I, out, of, out of all the ones we've looked at so far, that, that, this is my favorite. Amen. And uh, so a pearl of great price. All right, we've got just a minute or two before we're dismissed. Any uh, concluding thoughts there, Brother Bob?